Welcome to Emran's podcast, episode number 103. This is your host, Simon Silwal. I would like to welcome Nancy Stedman from Tallahassee, Florida. Nancy, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you, Simon? I'm doing great. Uh, first time we met uh, was in hot day of Tupelo Marathon, and the last time I saw you was in Montgomery. You were running half, and then I was running full. How's things been? Um, pretty good. I um, kind of experienced a herniated disc up in my neck four days after my last marathon, but um, it kind of healed up on its own. Um, I did see a couple of medical professionals about that, but apparently herniated discs are issues that can and often do heal up on their own. So luckily for me, I just didn't do much for about six weeks, and then I've been able to build back up since then. I ran 56 miles last week, so I'm back to normal. (laughs) <laughs> it looks like you have run more miles than I have done in a while. So I was looking, looking at my calendar and a lot of zeros in my weeks, uh, but that's okay. Uh, that's what I'm yeah. trying, to, trying yeah. to build back up. Uh, some I, of the... I, I, did a lot of, I did a lot of dog walking then because that was um, the Lost Dutchman Marathon was February 18th. And just four days later, I suddenly um, had uh, a numbness in my right arm, my lower right arm. And right hand were numb. And uh, so I just uh, pretty much did not do a whole lot and uh, kind of freaked me out. But uh, I'm getting older and, you know, things things are going to happen and I've got to listen to the body. Definitely. But how, how hard it is for you to come back from the period, like you said, February, uh, you, you pulled back from running till now, coming the summer, several months down, down the road, uh, how hard it is to come back. You know, it's not hard, and and I think perhaps maybe it's even easier being um, a runner in my 50s to deal with a setback like this because I'm not chomping at the bit to just run right out the gate and do too much quickly like I've seen so many people do, and like I probably did when I was in my 40s. I didn't start running until I was in my 40s anyway. But uh, so I've, I've never experienced being a young runner, but I see it all the time. And so much of the time people are recovering from an injury and they just do too much too soon and too fast. The terrible twos of running. <laughs> and um, it, it's easier to be patient when you're older. And Frankly, uh, I, I'm a little chicken, which kind of helps me. So I, I just don't want to re-injure myself when I have a setback. And, you know, that was that was just one of those things. It's age-related that people get herniated discs. Definitely. Uh, talking about uh, pulling back, um, I'm, I'm big big into that. If I f- find out I'm, I have some sort of injuries, I try to pull as much as possible. Uh, I think last summer, since last summer, that's a lot of my training has gone down because I had a flip my ankle in one of this, this race, trail race, and then kind of had to take care of my knee, ankle. And I think it's finally has recovered now. So but that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great advice, you know, we, as we get older and uh, uh, we have to take care of ourselves. And, you know, we're not as young runner like we used to be. And, you know, you, even for me, I started late, uh, like almost what you said. But, but definitely, um, talking about that, it leads us to that. My next question is, how did you start running? You know, I've, I've seen you running, racing a lot. We are in Facebook friend, and you, you're all over the place. Uh, but you just, you just mentioned that you didn't start till you, you're 40. How did you start right. running? Well, um, I, uh, my mom passed away when I was 42, and I had watched her decline during the last 
seven years of her life uh, in quite a pronounced fashion from Alzheimer's disease. And that was the life-changing moment for me was when she passed away. And a month later, I came to the realization I had a lot I needed to change. I had been a pack a day smoker since the age of 12. And um, I knew I had to figure out a way to stop smoking. I tried to stop smoking many times without success. And um, so I started running and I would basically run, you know, maybe a couple hundred meters and I would be absolutely gasping for breath and walking. And then I'd jog a little more and then I'd be gasping for breath and I'd jog a little more and I'd be gasping for breath. <laughs> and, and after 15 months... I was able to make it all the way around the two-mile loop in my neighborhood without wow. having to walk. Fifteen months. Wow. Yes. That's a lot yeah. of patience there. Um, well, you know, I, I just couldn't breathe. I just couldn't breathe. And, um, you know, it was kind of on and off with the smoking for about nine months. But, um, you know, eventually got that out of my system psychologically I just identified as a smoker and it was just really hard to detach from that and um, and then I, I remember some some months or a couple of years later somebody referred to me as an athlete and I said you're crazy I'm not an athlete <laughs> but but I was definitely so how hard was it uh, for you to not to give up, you know, like I said, just to go around the around the block um, uh, a couple of miles uh, took you so long to get there, you know. As ultra marathoner, marathoner ourselves, you know, we know how hard it is to kind of keep going, you know. Sometimes well, we, we want to give the, up. The main, the main thing in my mind at the time was uh, just don't smoke. When I'd, I'd fallen off the smoking wagon enough to to take the desperate and my cholesterol was actually really high and I weighed 110 pounds um I was on the verge of being put on cholesterol medication so I, I decided um to look into a gym membership and I went to the nearest gold's gym and I paid for an entire year up front they gave me an extra three months as a bonus since I was paying for the entire year up front and I just thought this is costing me a lot less than smoking. Mm. What I'll spend, what I'd spend in smoking for a year, would be a lot more money. So um, I started uh, uh, getting into spin classes. I was into spinning quite a lot, so much I became a spinning instructor after a while, and um, that really um, improved my running a great deal. Um, improved my aerobic capacity, and uh, I, I would. One piece of advice I would give to somebody just starting out, get on a bike, do some do some cycling, you know, every few days or something. Instead of running, get on a bike. It's it's amazing. It's non-impact and, and really helps with the running. How far do you ride? You know, 45-minute spin class is fine. Okay, got it. You, yeah. you do the first five minutes as a warm-up and then... You know, do some upper body stretching on the bike and stuff while you're warming up, and then just do, set your mind to it. Just do the spin, spin class, or uh, not outside bike riding or anything like that. You're no, I rarely ride outside because uh, drivers are so bad. You know, it just <laughs> takes one person looking at at their phone to run you over and kill you. <laughs> and we have a lot of fatalities here in Tallahassee for cyclists. We have several every year so i i just um 
you know, when my husband and I do go cycling, it's usually on the, the bike trail, the local bike trail. Definitely. Yeah, I just yeah. came. I just came from Amsterdam, and it's it's a run over a biker. So that's a that's a different topic of of its own. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's just not safe here to to road bike a whole lot. Definitely, I was thinking Tallahassee may have better uh, better places to ride than here in Birmingham. But talk about uh, talk about uh, your your journey. Uh, when did you start uh, running races? As you were going, did, um, you, did you know about the marathon, half marathon, five no, k? No, and I, ne- I know, ne- I did, I did my um, my first five k after. I had done a couple of five k's as a smoker when I was a college student here, and it was, uh, I did two of them, and I remember very well um, getting a cigarette and lighting up a cigarette right at the finish line as soon as I finished. <laughs> um, but no, post-smoking, it, it was a year and a half after I started running and started trying to quit smoking. So it took 15 months to run two miles, and a few months later, I did my first um, 5K, and uh, it was it was a Thanksgiving turkey trot. So um, And it took me uh, 29 and a quarter minutes. I had to walk a little bit, and I just thought, when I was finished, I just thought, you know, I, I think I could do that a little faster. <laughs> so so that was kind of the start of it. And I just kind of worked my way up. And um, about a, just a little over a year later, did my first half marathon, which was just under an hour and 51 minutes. And I was 44 years old. And then a few months later, I did my second half marathon in an hour and 45 minutes and a quarter minutes. So I decided I could run a marathon a month later, which I did. And I had no idea what I was doing. I asked a friend, I, I asked a, a younger friend who's quite a vast and talented runner, uh, how long should my long runs be for the next four weeks? And she told me, and that's what I did. And I didn't keep track of my mileage at all during the week. Um, I was still spinning three times a week probably sometimes two times a week and so i you know did my first full marathon not very well trained in um three hours and 49 minutes and and my dad was at the finish line waiting for me in albany georgia it was great sneaker uh marathon yeah the snickers that was the inaugural year of that race wow yeah yeah it's a it's a great event it's a great race so you went through uh, the whole process going from being a smoker, non-runner, and a marathoner. Uh, what was the the hardest part for you during those period? Uh, once you in the three hours and forty nine minutes, a great time, and I think that's what I did my first full marathon as well. But but tell us uh, about your what was the hardest part of being in in that that journey? Um. Well, basically. Um going through the process of eliminating a lot of negative factors in my life. And that meant um, also ending a rather long marriage, um, but it wasn't working. And, um, and, and that turned out to be best for everybody involved, but it was a, it was a painful process and it was not fun to go through. So, um, and I I see other people go through the same thing. And uh, that's the thing about becoming a runner, going from being um, a person with an unhealthy lifestyle and probably having uh, rather negative influences. And, and you know, as 
you choose the influences around you. And I had to, I felt like when my mom died, it, it was just like, this is, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is the only chance. This is my life. <laughs> there, this is not a practice round. So, you know, things, things needed to change. And cha- change is uh, chaotic and painful sometimes. But uh, in the end, it's, it's uh, turned out far, far better, far better than I ever imagined. Definitely. Uh, you, have been yeah. in, you have been in a great journey of running, and uh, change is always difficult. I mean, you know, for me, me 10 years earlier, where I put it through myself to runner, being a runner was, was not an easy task, you know. Right, S- Staying right. on it is really difficult. I mean, I've I, I, I tried to be a runner in the past, but never kept going. I mean, now running is in our blood, and, you know, we know that we have to run, you know, regardless how many, yeah. however many months we, we take off, we, yeah. we well, are. I tend to have an addictive personality, so I think when I had to stop the addiction to nicotine, I just had to substitute it with something better, and that was running. <laughs> yeah, so. Definitely. Um, staying committed to it has been. I think the, the the hardest times are when you get an injury and um, whether it's uh, an overuse injury that's caused by doing by by running in not such a smart manner um, the 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 terrible twos of running again t- uh, too much too soon too fast um, so whether the injury is caused by overuse. Or it's an injury that's not related to your running at all. I think being injured is the is the toughest time as a runner to um, stick with it and then go into the process of getting back your fitness. And the longer you've done it, the easier that gets. I'd, ha- I'd have to say this last time with the herniated disc was I, ju- I just kept active walking the dog a lot, getting on the spin bike. Um, you know, running once a week and not very well, um, for about six weeks. And, but, uh, you know, we had some nice cool weather and I got some good time with, with my dog that likes to run and, and, uh, went to some really good trails weather and stuff and, you know, enjoy, enjoyed the time for, for what it was. You know, had a week of like eight miles and then have a week of 10 miles and had a week of 16 miles and 20 miles and just slowly, very slowly come back. <laughs> Definitely. It's been a while I have run 20 miles. So it feels a yeah. while. I mean, for some people it's not, but you know, for us yeah. it's like a couple of months break is a long time. Um, yeah. Well, the way the, the run, the way the running journey has gone, I've done, um, 350Ks, uh, two of them were trail, one road, and a 50-miler that was mostly the JFK 50-miler, which if you're going to do a 50-miler, that's such a historic run. It's wonderful. That's the one 50-miler I've got under my belt. And uh, in a few weeks, my husband and I will be doing the uh, Missoula Marathon, and that will be my thirty uh, second marathon. So you have done thirty seven, thirty second marathons, ultra marathons, or it's in the total four, four ultras, and this will be my thirty second. So it. yeah, and, and my twenty first state. We're doing the states thing. Yeah, I definitely yeah. like to do the states thing too. Yeah. Slowly build that state thing. 
Tell us about uh, how many Boston have you done? You have done a couple, correct? Um, I've done Boston five times. Five and, times, okay. Yeah, and my my personal best marathon time uh, was there at the 2013 marathon, and I ran a. I was 51 years old, and I ran a 3:28:08. Wow. And uh, you know, you you get a little stale, or you have a setback. I I had a stress reaction. Um after that and whatever and you you think uh, you're never going to come close to that mark again but last year uh at age 55 i surprised myself i ran a 332 at the bayshore marathon in traverse city michigan which that's a beautiful venue um i could highly recommend that race very well organized well put on but you know sometimes you just surprise yourself i'd say um it it was disappointing to actually have my personal best happen um at boston in 2013 for i think obvious reasons um it was a terrible day definitely i just watched one of the boston marathon uh 2013 movies that was yeah i I was not there but definitely it's uh it's yeah that's it it was crazy um jay Jay and i got married there in 2009 the day after we ran the marathon so boston's a really special place um and and that that was just that was just a gut-wrenching experience i hope to never see anything like that again yeah, uh, me too. As many marathon I run, as I don't want to see any any big races okay. happening, things like this. So any marathon, you know. Yeah, no, of course not. But you know, um, even past, I, I kind of there was an older gentleman that that kind of took me under his wing when I first started running, and he told me, um, you know, no matter the age you are when you start, you've got ten years of improvement. Uh, at least to look forward to and and he was he was correct and um, shortly before my 53rd birthday uh, most of the half marathons I've done have been training runs for marathons Um, Jay didn't have the state of Georgia Um, I had already run Albany twice so I had the state of Georgia so I thought I'm just gonna um, kind of relax and for you know four or five weeks before this I'm just going to train for the half marathon with that in mind and I was a month before my 53rd birthday I was able to run under a 140 I ran a 139 and change and it was a hilly course and I was like I don't and you know <laughs> that those are the times that you live for I mean so yeah. much of the time you get someplace and you've trained all these months or whatever if you enjoy the training like I do. I enjoy yeah. the training. I enjoy seeing my friends and stuff and the running. But enjoying the journey is, is really what it's about because it's really a crapshoot as far as the conditions go on race day. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Races. Race. Yeah. Yeah. Races. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. nerve wracking for me. Yeah. And and the day I ran that half marathon PR, the weather condition, it was a hilly course. It's Soldier Marathon, which you've done that, right? Yeah. I've, yeah. I've done several times. I paced now yeah. on that race. Yeah. I, I kind of thought so. Yeah. Jay ran the full that day and I did the half. Uh, but the weather conditions were really perfect for us and uh, nice and cool. I like about 40 degrees at the start. That's kind of my favorite temperature to start out with because that way it's not too awful hot when you finish <laughs> yeah i I, yeah. I consider my perfect day is a 43 degree start time so 
Yeah. That's yeah. why I have qualified uh, for Boston a couple of times in that condition. Uh, definitely. Uh, talking about uh, your journey, um, just before we move to the next topic, give some advice here to those people who's going through, you know, any addiction, trying to get off or the, get over their addiction and trying to be a runner. And from your perspective, what advice would you like to give? Ah. Uh. Hang in there. Just hang in there. I think it's probably a different experience for every individual, depending on what the addiction may be. I had had the good fortune of getting sober early in life when I was 20 years old and being familiar with a lot of what one goes through to get rid of a bad thing in their life. And so that, that was helpful. But cigarettes were just kind of that last thing I held on to. Mm. And um, I, I had to just keep going and not turning back. Because turning back, I, I just wasn't going to go backwards. I just wasn't. It, it, was, it, was, it was so hard to quit smoking. I just absolutely would never, I would not want to go through that again. Got it. Yeah. Just hang in there and just... Just hang in there. Keep going. Keep, you know, set your alarm clock in the morning and get up and go. Uh, now I just get up early out of habit uh, for the most part. But um, that and and that's that's one thing about becoming a distance runner. Uh, I used to be quite the night owl. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, you're going to have to... If you're, if you're going through this life change... You're going to need to set that alarm clock and start getting your behind out of bed early in the morning. And especially this time of year, and I know we're going to go into talking about running in the heat. This time of year, early in the morning is the only time you're going to be able to do it. And sometimes, you know, my mornings are not what I plan them to be or I'll have sleep disturbances or something like that at night sometimes. And I'm just going to have to... Um, go to the gym and get on a treadmill later in the day. And um, that's why I I'd still maintain a gym membership because sometimes, you know, living in North Florida, um, it's really difficult and, and honestly uh, a little dangerous to, to run in the heat. I've, I've gotten sick from running in heat, and uh, I wasn't even dehydrated, but I, I just kind of got really kind of delirious. Wow. Doing an 18 mile run one day, and um, and it was I couldn't get it done during the weekday, and I went out. I took my car to the shop and dropped it off in the morning, and went out on a <laughs> 18 mile run, and it was probably 90 degrees. And then I couldn't remember Jay's phone number, and I didn't have a phone with me, but I met somebody with a phone, and I was just a mess. So <laughs> uh, I avoid being out in the worst heat of the day in a big way now and just get out early in the morning. So set that alarm clock, stick with it, don't give up, it gets better. Definitely. Sounds like great advice there. Let's move on to our next topic. Uh, okay. uh, talking about, uh, you just mentioned about uh, heat, running heat. Uh, you're in uh, north, uh, uh, west. Florida, Florida, right in the, the Big Bend. Yeah, in the, you're in the, the big. Yeah, yeah, the armpit of Florida. Yeah, so South Alabama. So, so you yes. Know. <laughs> but uh, we're about we're about 20 minutes from Georgia. Okay, 20 yeah. minutes. Uh, yeah. Definitely, you're you're yeah. really in hot country. Uh, I think yeah. you're, you're hotter than us, and you're close to the Gulf of Mexico than than we are, and you get a lot of humidity. Tell us about. How do you uh, run, train, fall training, um, especially you, you're about to run on the race? 
how do you train in such a heat condition? You mentioned a little bit already. That's kind of let's go a little bit more detail on running okay. in the hot weather. Um, first of all, get out early. Secondly, at this time of the year, if I'm running outside, I am not going to try to run, uh, especially training for a marathon. I am not going to try to run uh, intervals, speed intervals, and I'm not even going to attempt to try to run a marathon tempo pace, which to me is something between what your marathon pace is and maybe 10 to 15 seconds faster than that is what I call a marathon tempo run. Uh, For any speed work or marathon tempo work, I'll do that on the treadmill at the gym. An example of marathon tempo run for me right now is go to the gym, do a couple miles at at a conversational pace, and then um, do a couple miles at eight-minute mile pace, then do an easy mile, then do a couple more miles at eight-minute mile pace, and then do an easy mile. And that's a typical treadmill run for a marathon workout. So on on on, uh, on your the hot training uh, when you go when you eventually have to go outside um, yeah <laughs> you know what and kinda... especially for the long runs <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to do a treadmill run for twenty miles some people do no 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 about ten miles is my limit on the treadmill um, no we did I did a twenty one mile run yesterday and um, we started uh, at six twenty in the morning we put out bottles that have uh, Gatorade and water in them and I'm sure to stay hydrated and um, I don't run by pace at all Uh, I just I just uh, run depending on how I feel and I make sure I'm not overexerting myself. So, you, how 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 much? Um, what kind of duration you t- take for hydration? You know, you you said you you have a bottle, so you probably make a route with the water. That's what we do here. A lot of um, water. We we try to have um, water bottles out between every uh, two and a half to three miles. Typically, we we um we have a long run training group um called the imitation adults we're on facebook and uh we we make each run every week is an event and then people respond and tell us whether they're coming or not so we know how much stuff to put out and um yeah we just try to put stuff out about every two and a half to three miles seems to work well when you're at a race you're going to be getting fluids every couple miles so even during the cooler months, um, still make a point of drinking every few miles or so just to get yourself accustomed to drinking often. Um, of course, if you don't drink often at this time of year in North Florida, you're going to have some really bad things happen. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so tell us what's the beyond beyond hydration. We focused on hydration a lot. What are the other, other factors some some people are not, not thinking about it? Well, last year we did an August marathon up in Alaska, and this year, of course, a middle-of-July marathon. Montana is what we're going for. Um, but a lot of people just take a break from doing these really long runs at this time of year here, and I can hardly blame them. And um, But, you know, we're trying to knock out the states, and we're not – we're just trying to – get trained enough to do them so uh 
really for for me for the training cycle of around 12 weeks or so um i'm just trying to do the mileage and really i speed work is out the window i really don't do any speed work until the last few weeks while i'm tapering i really i it's not necessary i'm more likely to hurt myself if i try to do speed work with a lot of um higher mileage for me and of course you know everybody's different so what works for me may not necessarily work for another person definitely one of the thing i talk about a lot to my friends and a lot of time you see my post and talk about uh, summer training for fall pr you know and uh, right. and you definitely cannot ignore especially if you have a fall race like chicago which is not that far so right uh, and we're going we're going to do that this year yeah i'll, I'll be yeah. there I, i'm a pacer official pacer for a chicago marathon so uh, what what pace group I, are you gonna i'm a 430 430 pacer 430? So, yeah and but okay well i'll stay at the finish line and greet you when you <laughs> yeah, get there definitely we can drink beer <laughs> afterward <laughs> Yeah, definitely. We'll probably in the different waves itself. So yeah. So so, but uh, but definitely uh, the other thing I try in the summertime is uh, try to run more hills during the summer. Uh, hot hill, three H's: uh, hot, hot, humid, and hill, hilly yeah. course. You know, because uh, I'm going slow anyway. Why just not just run the right, hills? Right, right. And uh, yeah, that's one thing I love about where we live is uh, we have hills down we live downtown and we have hills in the downtown area and then to the north half of town and up to the georgia border it's actually quite a lot of rolling hills and then um go not far south from here and we you run into what used to be the uh the floor of the ocean when the gulf of mexico was larger and uh, the seabed was there. So not far from downtown Tallahassee, we have flat land. So we get to uh, train on hills or on flat terrain. We, we have a, a great choice here. We also have a lot of really wonderful trails here. Definitely. I've never explored your side of the town you have invited me to come there so many yeah years. yeah since we since we met uh, you used to be race director uh for the marathon now you moved up to tallahassee classic i think that that's the name um, so. um the, yeah the tallahassee ultra distance classic it's the main the main distances are the 50 kilometer and the 50 mile uh some years it's had early on in its history it had 100k a number of years um, some years it's had a marathon. Recent years it hasn't had a marathon, but we're adding the marathon back in this year. And uh, all distances are certified, USATF certified, and course distance eligible for setting records. Um, actually, the women's U.S. record in the 50K was set at our event back in the early 80s. Uh, we had a, a runner by the name of... Janice Klecker ran a three-hour and thirteen-minute fifty-k, and that wow. is the that is the United States women's fifty-k record to this day. So, um, and you know, right now it's fifty and sixty bucks, so it's pretty cheap. <laughs> it's oh. at uh, it's at w- historic what's Wakulla Springs State Park, which is uh, home to the world's largest uh, 
freshwater spring. And um, interesting factoid about Wakala Springs is that much of the movie The Creature from the Black Lagoon was filmed there. So, uh, so it sounds like, sounds like an interesting place to be. Tell us about the course. It's, it, is it a loop course, uh, if I understand it correctly? Well, yeah, we say it's a, a loop course. It's 10 kilometers, and it, it leaves the park, and it goes out on a road, and then the runners go in one direction down the road, and then they come back up, and then they go in the other direction down the It's kind of a T, actually. Got it. So on out on the state road that we get closed, which is immediately outside of the gate of the park, the runners are seeing each other all the time, and then they 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 come back into the park and loop around through the main aid station and exit back out, and uh, it's a 10k loop. So uh, it's it's not too bad. It's five loops for the 50k, obviously, and the 50 mile starters have to start further back, and then they end up doing eight loops of the 10 kilometer course and for the marathon um we just have a small loop first that's uh 2.15 kilometers and then they do 40 more kilometers four times on the 10k got it i, I saw you mention about the marathon would be boston qualifying yes uh, and it's a it's a real treat there's a historic lodge there that's been there since the 1930s and um it's a real treat to stay overnight at the lodge there to do the race and it's it's a beautiful beautiful old building so uh there are other places to stay too but that's a nice that's a nice treat definitely how far are you from uh downtown tallahassee itself this this um, race that race is 20 minutes from downtown Tallahassee. I'm not that far from... Not that far, no. But but my husband and I use it as an excuse to stay in the lodge overnight <laughs> every year. Because we're, we, we're, we're working, setting up the race into the evening, and then we're up again at 5 in the morning to start working again and, um, you know, get the race started at 7 o'clock in the morning. Definitely. So that's the one race I definitely to come. So I promise, yeah. promise to and come one of this year. So right, and it's uh, it's Saturday, December eighth this year, and the registration is on ultrasignup.com. Definitely, I will link that up from the show note, uh, guys. Uh, please look it up. Uh, great race. Uh, I have heard a lot about it. Uh, and if you're trying to qualify for Boston Marathon, there's <laughs> there's that it too. You might yeah. want to do it there. Yeah. it'll be easy. Yep, uh, that's that's what I'm looking at. Uh, <laughs> if I don't get to qualify anywhere else, I'm, I'm coming to your race so this year. Okay. So I'm, okay. I'm, I'm leaving my December eighth date open at this time, but all right. The fall. I haven't I haven't set up my fall calendar yeah. yet. So yeah. So definitely, I'll come uh, one of these yeah. years. So and, and and another thing about this, it, it is it is a very flat course. It's shaded, and there are always manatees in the spring, in December. So once you're done running, what you do is you just walk out uh, to the spring right behind the lodge, and uh, stand in the 72 degree water, and watch the manatees. That sounds great. And when it, yeah. when does the, your early registration ends? It's fifty dollars for the marathon or fifty k, and sixty dollars for the fifty miler through the end of July. And then the rates will go up ten dollars, and then they'll go up ten dollars in uh, November first again. Got it. So 
you know, this is the cheapest time to do it. And um, we're hoping to have a, a nice group there this year. They're usually about 70 runners total. We think there'll be a few more this year because of adding the marathon. Definitely. Talk about directing the race and then being a runner. What what do you uh, find interesting factor for seeing uh, running from the both sides? Well, I I, I just feel like uh, yeah I, I'm in a position to to have the opportunity. I, I you know I'm not raising young kids right now. Um, I I just have I have the luxury of having the capability of, of dedicating some time to some type of volunteer capacity. Um, I've done some type of volunteer work pretty much as for as long as I can remember in some capacity. And at this time in my life, that's, that's dedicated to a, a running activity more or less. And, and so for a number of years, uh, I co-directed the Tallahassee marathon. And, uh, now this is our fourth year directing, the uh, Tallahassee Ultra Distance Classic, and it's a great feeling to put the work in to make the race possible to see so many people be so happy. And they come through the finish line and they cry because it's the first marathon or the first 50 miler they've run. It's amazing. That's it's almost it's almost better than finishing that distance yourself. But I remember how I felt finishing my first marathon, and it's it just brings it all back to you, and it's it's a wonderful wonderful feeling. So that's what that's what really makes it all worth it, and you just get to see people also experience such a great life changing event. Definitely, uh, I see that as a pacer. I see that. Uh, I bet you do. That's uh, that's really cool. It's it's, it's I, because I go through that process to carrying them through the course, taking them to the finish line. Not not everybody gets to finish with me, you know, because you know it's a difficult task for for it a is. first time. Or, but whoever, but, come, but come. you get them through those low spots oh, too, and it's like, hey, it's going to get better. It sucks right now, but it will get better. So just, just keep going along. Yeah, we people hang on to me like they could. I mean, and uh, it's a great feeling. One or two will go from beginning to end, even in the big races. It's hard for me to keep the whole group. But when I start, we're talking about in Chicago. I have like hundred people, hundreds of people. It's, we're like marching. Through the through the roads and it's it's, it's a wonderful feeling, but yeah. but definitely being that's yeah. I think that I, I get this very similar feeling when I when I be when I do the pacing. I don't do as many pacing, but uh, the one I do I really enjoy. So well, I, w- I would like to do that some someday. I haven't done it yet, but there's there's always yep. a time. Yep. Someplace along the way, I yeah. hope to do that. Yeah, come come pace uh, pace with us sometime. I will I'll, I'll let you know. So, okay, sounds so good. It's a it's a it's another life changing <laughs> thing that you do for running. So, uh, Nancy, we we talked about so many different aspects of running. Uh, uh, tell us about uh, uh, what uh, what motivates you to be a runner. Do everything. Uh, what do you do for running? Uh, volunteering, uh, directing races, uh, you know, training. I think you coach as well. So, what motivates you? Just seeing other people get to experience it, too. That pretty much sums it up. Bearing witness to uh, people changing their lives and getting healthier. What, what is your best story in uh, 
when when you when when you when you see somebody's life changing, uh, your life has changed through running. Uh, to tell us any other life changing you have seen, you know, one or two examples that you have seen um, through through these years that you have been runner. I'm kind of in the age group where I'm just seeing all of us trying to age gracefully. And I think uh, I'm surrounded by a lot of people that are doing that really well. So I just try to emulate them. Definitely. So, so Nancy, uh, as you are training and running uh, for the fall marathon, I think you have a summer marathon now. Tell us about uh, uh, how do you race the summer, summer marathon, uh, heat marathon, I guess the I guess that's what we like to say. Give us some advice on that. Yeah, well, um, I'm sure as many of your listeners have, have heard, the weather at Boston can be a complete crapshoot. It can be blazing hot, and it can be snowing. Um, the hottest marathon I ran in was the 2012 Boston Marathon, and um, given that it was 80 degrees at the start and the sun was beating down on uh, on us as we walked to the starting line and I just thought I'm just going to run this like it's a training run and I am not even going to attempt to try to really put in a race effort because I know that will not work and that was the best mindset to have going into that I ended up feeling great in the last few miles I kept putting water on myself to try to keep my body cooled down hydrated a lot but I just did not try to run a race effort. And I, I ended up being 18th in my age division. And I've never placed that high at Boston. The fall in 2013, I ran 15 minutes faster and I was 42nd <laughs> in, the, in the same age division. So, but, and, and I also had a better time than a lot of our friends that were there from Tallahassee, uh, I, ha- I had run a better time than some of the men that usually were, you know, 45 minutes ahead of me and stuff, which it was kind of crazy, but everybody was falling out badly due to the heat. And, you know, a number of them just kind of ignored the heat at the outset and just said, I'm just going to run my race and do what I trained to do. And, and I can do it because I trained to do this. And that's not how it works in the heat. So if you get to a, a, a mar- if you get to a marathon distance race or any distance race, and it's a lot hotter than optimal, just, just make the adjustment and say, you know what, my body's going to tell me what I can do. Uh, I'm not going to look at the the pace on my watch unless it seems too fast or it seems like I'm running or I'm trying too hard. If you feel like you're trying too hard and you're having trouble with that early on in the first half of the marathon, especially, you should not be feeling like it's a hard effort. And um, so when it's when it's hot at a marathon, just run it like it's a training run. Try to relax. Just stay hydrated. Keep the top of your head wet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were there the the spectators along the Boston course. Of course, you're going through a bunch of small towns on the way into Boston. They are the best spectators in the world. That that is the thing about the Boston that's so magical about the Boston Marathon. And I love so many of the the races we've gotten to go to. I love the courses where there are no spectators. I don't need spectators. Um, I love the woods. I, I love the surroundings. I love just being with the other runners and stuff. 
But the spectators at Boston are amazing. And they were handing out popsicles and they were spraying us with hoses and they were giving us ice and I was putting ice in my sports bra. And, you know, it was um, it was it was a cool experience. But I I felt awesome in the last three miles, which was really strange because people were, you know, collapsing and going to the medical tents. Definitely, um, being from the south, sometimes it give give us an advantage on, on those, those situation. Yeah, but I, I'm like uh, you. You talked about earlier that you know, just I just go and race it in whatever condition it is. I think. Yeah. My last Boston was pretty hot, and not not as hot as you're talking about, but definitely the the weather weather condition in any race. Uh, we're talking about hot. Uh, if you're if you're listening to this podcast, middle of the winter, uh, you're gonna get through similar situation. Maybe it's too cold. Um, so, you know, you just have to take what it, what, what it is and adjust to it. That's what I'm learning from being an ultra marathoner. Um, if it's raining and hot and, you know, any, any condition, you could just have to learn to adjust. I think that's, yeah. th- th- I think that's what you're talking about here. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. Know, you know, yeah. You, and, and, you know, the thing is, I mean, we're so used to running with our gadgetry, our electronics. I, I refuse to run with a phone and I, we live downtown, so a lot of times I'm running in the proximity of cars. I wouldn't feel safe running on trails wearing headphones. I just, I never wear headphones running. But we're so used to having watches that tell us our pace and everything. And the fact of the matter is, people ran very well without any kind of watch telling them how fast they were going for years they did it by feel and it worked pretty well for them bill rogers never had a watch telling him how fast he was going or showing him all his splits on a computer or or anything like that you know definitely uh with the gadget and everything uh it has helped us a lot at the same time it probably doesn't help i think i think we have i i I, I just feel, for me at least, I have to rely on what my body's telling me a lot more than what the watch is telling me. Yeah, sometimes I, uh, especially when I do a hundred mile, or I just switch to just the distance and time, just to know where I am and how far I'm running. That done right. look at the pace. Try to turn off the pace. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Last hundred, I try to just feel the pace as well. But but I know how fast I can run on a trail and how fast I can run in the road. And you know, kind of kind of those feels you're talking about. You know. Yeah, I did not get a uh, running watch until probably. Let's see, I've been running about 14 years. It was probably six, seven years before I got a watch um, or running watch. What I was using was a heart rate monitor because um, as a spinning instructor, you do spinning by heart rate. You do a spinning workout always by heart rate. And so I had a heart rate monitor and I was ran by using my heart rate monitor. And, you know, that would time my run, but I wouldn't get splits or anything like that from it. But I would see... If I looked down at my watch, what I was looking at was my heart rate and just how how hard is is my running. Yeah, and that so your that, effort. That was, prob- that was probably a, a good way to start out, really. <laughs> Definitely. Sometimes you don't you you run with the feeling and you feel so good, you know. <laughs> it's like you end up going faster than you want to go. But but definitely, um, those gadgets are out there. Some people love to use it. I, I have I went one time without any watches and stuff like that for months, and then I had to use it because I want to see how many miles I have gone. So, but anyways, and like I said, like we said, it's good and bad in itself. But uh, definitely, I, I run with my phone all the time. Uh, there's a reason for it. I I 
pop the videos and take the take the photos. Yeah, yeah. You gotta you gotta take those. I, yeah, the only time I run with a phone on me is when I have to run uh, with a camel back, and uh, you know, if we're not really doing a setup where we put out bottles or anything like that. Say we're going out on trails, mm-hmm. so then I'll stick a phone in my camel back pocket. Um, largely because, you know, when you're out in the woods like that, hey, there's some cool things to take pictures of, and I may stop and take some pictures. But that's really that's really the only time I carry a phone with me. Otherwise, it's, you know, downtown and in residential neighborhoods, and I'm not especially worried, yeah. you know. The funny thing is that this morning I ran went, went running for two, two miles, and I had my phone in my hand. I was like, why am I at this? Uh, but I ended up taking some photos, so... So, <laughs> because I, I, I was not listening to any podcasts. I was just, I just, it's just becoming a habit. It's having it happening in my hand now. Yeah, yeah. With with the kids and everything, sometimes you they will be calling, and that's. Well, the, see, I I don't have any young kids. My kids uh, are twenty seven and thirty five and twenty. Yeah, well, six, almost twenty six. So you know, there's no reason for me to to hold on to end. And my parents are no longer here, so I, I just don't feel like I have a reason for really carrying a phone, especially on a, you know, a routine run of, of, uh, you know, four to 10 miles during the weekday. Definitely. Yeah. My, mine will be always, somebody needs me looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> they track me down and we have a app. Yeah. I, use, so. yeah so. I, I'm a real estate agent and I don't want the phone ringing yeah, while I'm out on a run. I, I absolutely do not want a phone with me. Got it. Got for, it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it, it it's uh it's a it's interesting. So everybody, like you said, everybody has their own perspective and things. Right, uh, right. So that's our probably I'll get to the age when I don't want no phones again. So it's it's nice. It's a nice break from it, and and you know, especially in the early morning hours, and it's nice and quiet outside, and all the all the birds are chattering up storm early in the morning here and we'll see raccoons and box turtles and see so you need a camera for that one for sure so you can take some pictures and we we we, uh when we drove down to where we started our run yesterday morning there were a bunch of vultures sitting on a building Yeah, they're not looking for runners, I'm sure. So no, no, they were they were getting into some trash at a restaurant down yeah. there at the coast. Definitely, Nancy. We talked so so many different aspects: running, uh, running in heat, uh, running. Uh, you know, start your running journey, and many, many, many things that you do. Being a race director as well. Uh, before we close this interview, give us a word of advice uh, for people to take their running. Beyond um, beyond whatever they do, uh, especially in your case, you know you 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 were a smoker, uh, and you you became a runner, Boston Marathoner, now race director. Uh, give us some word of advice to, for people to take running beyond beyond whatever they do running running wise and and uh, and enjoy it. Just to uh, believe in yourself, I think most of us underestimate what we're capable of. And what our bodies are capable of. It's amazing. It's surprising. And um, if you just are consistent, you will reap rewards well beyond what you expect. I would say that that number one word of advice is consistency. Definitely. You mentioned that several times uh, in this interview. It looks like consistency has been a big part of your running, running journey. 
great advice there, Nancy. And I need to put that in my training and my habit as well. So I'm in the habit of, uh, yeah, right now I'm running six days a week. Sometimes I run seven days a week. And um, if, if I'm not training for anything at all, I'm running four or five days a week, typically five. It's just a habit. And your consistency and, and your habit, how, how what is the what is the daily mile do you do you do? Well, I alternate uh, the days. I'll do one day with more mileage and then one day with less um, frequently. You know, if I'll do a six mile day and the next day I'll do three or four, and then the day after I'll do six or seven, and then you know three or four take the day off, and um, I don't do two hard days in a row. I would not go run a 10K race hard and then go out and run 20 miles the next day. I would not do that. Got it. So, Nancy, uh, thanks for award advice and uh, some tips on training. Uh, looks like there's so much to, so much to talk to you about. Uh, hopefully, we can come back and, and talk more about running, running journey. Uh, before we close this interview, uh, give us uh, and let us know about your race coming up race uh, in December one more yeah, time to our, sure. our listeners. Okay, it's it's the Tallahassee Ultra Distance Classic. If you Google that, you will find the race website, and um, this will be the 38th year of the event. It is on December 8th, which is a Saturday, and uh, our distances are marathon. 50 kilometers and 50 miles. It's a great course for uh, trying out uh, a, a new distance or for uh, setting a PR in one of those distances if you have done those before. Thanks, Nancy, um, for your time and uh, giving insight to your running a little bit and uh, and uh, everything else. Uh, good luck with your race this summer. And then, Thank uh, you so much, Simon. And, and then ho- hopefully we can see you in fall somewhere, either racing or come to your race. So Yeah, um, well, we'll see you in Chicago. Yeah, definitely. We'll yeah. see you in Chicago. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. You have a great evening. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of Emirates Podcast. Please visit emirates.com to listen to our previous podcast episodes, links to our social media channels, get race photos, get discount codes, and more.